Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Uh, This is Biff Buffett from Saxon. You're listening to Talking Metal. Mark Striegel, John Astronomy, the Talking Metal Podcast. Coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft. I'm Bud Friendly. Here's your hosts, Mark and John. Hey guys, Mark Striegel checking in with you from a cozy restaurant here in Midtown Manhattan. Just running around the city, not working today. It's Thursday, November 3rd. I was up at the Ace Book signing earlier, and I was that idiot guy who got pushed to the front of the line in front of all the poor fans who'd been waiting there for hours and hours and got uh, my book signed before anybody. Thank you, John Astronomy, for hooking that up. Um, John and Ace doing a book signing there in New York City. It was actually Ace just doing the book signing, but John, of course, was on hand working with Ace as Ace's assistant. Pick up the book, man. It's the way you can support what we do here. If you buy a book on TalkingMetal.com, it's actually on Amazon, but what you do is go to TalkingMetal.com by No Regrets by Ace Frehley and of course John Ostrowski aka John Astronomy and you're going to be supporting both of us because using that Amazon link on TalkingMetal.com to open up Amazon and buy the Ace book supports me. I get a small small kickback on that. The book is the same price it would be anywhere else maybe even a little cheaper and uh, yeah and you support John because guess what this is his book it's Ace's book, but it's his book. His name's right on the cover. So I'm also psyched that Talking Metal got a little mention on the Ace book. The Ace book, of course, is called No Regrets. So go to TalkingMetal.com. Pick the, your, your own copy up today. Cool, let's get into a little Ace right now. This is Rip It Out.
That was Rip It Out by Ace Frehley. You're hanging with Mark Striegel here. Coming to you from New York City. Yeah, so we got... What do we got going on here? Uh, We got a new Megadeth album out, guys. Awesome. Awesome. Here it is. Public Enemy number one. Number one, I'm a 
Hey, that was Public Enemy number one off the new Megadeth record. We have Biff from Saxon on Talking Metal. Stay tuned for that interview. We'll get into a little new Alice Cooper right now. This is called Caffeine. I gotta stay awake. I just can't sleep. Because I know inside if I close my eyes, it'll be the death of me. Because I feel the night when the darkness creeps. That's when the shadows thrive, that's when I must survive. Cause every night they come for me. I'm shaking in the ice cold shower. I've been here for about a today we got biff from saxon coming up an exclusive interview i did with him oh probably about a month ago in midtown manhattan but right now this is mastodon with dry bone valley head down running from the 
by Bone Valley by Mastodon. Use the links on TalkingMetal.com to open your iTunes and buy that track. Using those iTunes links is a good thing because it supports what we do here on Talking Metal. A lot of ways you can support using those iTunes links. Even if you don't buy that Mastodon song, once it's opened your iTunes, you can shop around and we get a cutback on anything you buy. Same goes with those Amazon links. If you don't buy the Ace book but you use the Amazon link to open Amazon, make a purchase, buy anything. I'm sure somebody out there somewhere right now is thinking of making a major purchase on Amazon. Come on, do me a favor. Use the link, man. Use the uh, go use that Ace Frehley Amazon book link. Yeah, if you don't buy the book, still make a good Amazon purchase for me. Uh, love the Spotify. Love the Spotify. I'm, I'm not even using iTunes that much anymore myself. But I uh, was listening to Anthrax Worship Music on Spotify. I was digging it, and then suddenly it disappeared. So I think that's lame, man. I think, uh, you know, that, I don't know if that was the band directly involved in pulling their music off of there or the label, but big mistake, guys. Big mistake. I, I would be listening to the album. Now I'm not. And guess what? I'm not going to buy it on iTunes <laughs> or in the store i'm not buying any more fucking cds i took like probably like 400 cds to a record store in jersey that buys you know used cds and used albums great stuff i mean not just metal but a lot of great metal was in there you know um a lot of big name metal bands were in the box of cds bands like the pixies you know living color uh you name it, just tons of even all that remains, just tons of CDs, even prints. I mean, and they wouldn't buy it. They told me this stuff was worthless. CDs, absolutely worthless. Don't buy them. Go to Spotify. Don't even do downloads anymore. I mean, if you still do, of course, use the links on TalkingMetal.com. But hey, go to Spotify, man. I shouldn't be saying that because I should be pushing you to use those links. I do the Spotify thing, the $10 subscription. Uh, $10 a month. I got, what, how many of her million songs Spotify has? Some major ones missing, yes. Metallica, U2. Well, no, not U2. Metallica, The Beatles, Led Zeppelin, ACDC. But, you know, if I have the urge to listen to those, those are some, those bands I just mentioned are CDs that I didn't try to sell. I guess I'm going to throw my CDs out. I guess I'm throwing hundreds of CDs in the garbage. Sad, considering I've invested thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in them through the years. I will obviously hold on to Iron Maiden and Kiss and Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and probably the Stones and stuff like that, Metallica. But in general, I'm going to probably trash 80% of my CD collection. Throwing it in the garbage. Worthless. Worthless. Sad. Very sad. I do. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get the new Saxon on CD, which of course I will be keeping because Biff signed it for me. Thanks, Biff. We're going to get into a little classic Saxon right now, followed by my interview with Biff, and then uh, we'll get into some new Saxon. We'll end today's show with "Back in '79." This is Mark Striegel checking out with you. Stay tuned for the interview with Biff. Stay tuned for the next episode it'll be a cc banana exclusive i don't even think i'm going to be on it probably just be cc taking over the uh the airways he uh i actually loaned him my recorder he was going to interview cinderella back over the summer when cinderella played and uh i didn't when i got the recorder back he said oh the files are on there but uh 
surprisingly or not surprisingly, no Cinderella interview. Funny stuff anyways, and I'll probably air that for you next time, guys. Here's a little Saxon followed by my interview with Biff. Hi, it's Mark Striegel from Talking Metal, and we are here with Biff from Saxon. Biff, thanks so much for taking the time out to speak to us today. Yeah, it's good to be here in New York doing interviews. You have a big show tomorrow at BB King's. I saw you there probably about two years ago when you were uh, in town. Um, And that, if I believe you guys just did a handful of dates in the States back in 2009. This is a more extensive tour for sure, right? Yeah, we did three shows. I think we did New York... Uh, Houston and San Antonio, so it was just a quick in and out, uh, which is what we've been doing up to this tour. Um, but yeah, this tour is a more comprehensive in support of the album. We haven't done this for quite a long time, uh, touring at the same time the album release, which is great. So how has it been getting back to some of the cities and towns that you haven't been to for a while? Are the are the fans hungry for their Saxon? Yeah, the, it's been great, actually. I mean, the response on the new album is fantastic. And uh, the audience have been great. I mean, the West Coast was a big surprise because we haven't been there for 20 years. So, wow. you know, um, sort of like trying to, uh, you know, get our fan base back, back, to, back to see us. It's, yeah. 
is, uh, you know, sometimes a problem. But um, it was great in, uh, you know, it's been great so far. We haven't really had a bad show, actually. Cool. And the new album sounds great. It's called Call to Arms. Some of these songs to me seem really timeless. And it made me wonder, are these all like brand new songs that you wrote recently or some maybe in the vaults that you pulled out? No, no they're all, all new songs. Uh, we, we went back to uh, try to get back into an 80s zone for some of the songs we wrote, especially with the lyrics I did. So, yeah, a bit more working class, a bit more down to earth, you know, um, uh, you know, road warrior type lyrics, and um, uh, which is a great title for a song, by the way. I must put that down. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, it, it is a move back to a more uh, a more organic uh, recording technique, definitely. And uh, you know, we concentrated on getting the sounds great, and then recording them rather than having loads of overdubs and uh, Pro Tools samples and things going on. You know, obviously it's a it's a digital album, but we just recorded it uh, more uh, basic, really, and uh, tried to get back to our roots, our influences. And Back in 79 is a great song, by the way, and uh, it seems like, like it's a real tip of the hat to the, the early day, days of Saxon's career. Do you have fond memories of those days? Yeah, we have really fond memories. I mean, Back in 79, it's a bit like Denim Leather Revisited, I suppose. Um, it's a very similar drum beat. Obviously, different guitar riff, but yeah, it's um, it's, a, it's a song that connects new fans and old fans together. And um, you know, if if you listen to the lyrics or read the lyrics, you'll understand uh, where I'm coming from, really. <clears throat> and uh, speaking of lyrics, well, earlier you mentioned the, a working class. Do you say working class vibe or working man vibe? I, there's the ballad of of the working man, which I think is just a great song that is on the record. And I wanted to ask you about those lyrics. Take me back to a simple life. What do those lyrics actually mean to you? Well, I think the song, you know, it's um, it's basically set uh, against the backdrop of, of a lot of unemployment in uh, in Britain and obviously in the U.S. The in that respect, the countries are linked, aren't they? There's a lot of, um, and I just think that it's a song about you know when everybody's working and the country's strong. That that's really what I'm saying, and um, you know um, we're just saying that the common working man who works down the coal mine or works on the docks or works in the police or just anybody who works, you know, hard work for a living. Basically, they're making the country strong. They're paying taxes. The country becomes, you know, more powerful because of that. And uh, I think you know when I was younger, that was how it was. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a little bit. You know, like, uh, goes back to the 60s, I suppose. Right, sure. You know, when, when things were, like, great. <laughs> and the future lay in front of us all, you know. Right. It's, all that thing happened. I mean, I was, like, a, you know, quite a young young guy in the 60s. So, uh, you know, it was just seemed to, be, uh, seemed to be a time of revolution, you know. Uh, there are two versions of, at least on the CD that I have, there are two versions of the title track, Call to Arms, uh, one actually has orchestration. It sounds like strings on it. Who actually uh, arranged the strings, and how were they recorded? Well, uh, it's the German guy that does a lot of our sort of arrangements. Uh, did our last album. He did all the um, the pieces of uh, choir that we have on. Um, the talents of steel. Um, 
We're in the process of scoring all our all our songs, our anthemic songs, for orchestra. Oh, wow. um, so there is talk of us doing an orchestra, an orchestra gig in the future and an album and DVD from it. Cool. Whether it'll ever happen or not, I don't know. But, um, you know, this guy does orchestration, he scores everything. Some of it's real violins, some of it's obviously samples. Uh, but, yeah, he just did this for us and we loved it. I just sent it away as an experiment, really, to see what he'd do with it. And it came back, and um, I thought people should hear both versions because a lot of a lot of um, a lot of rock music that's put to symphonic treatment doesn't sound great. It doesn't seem to fit. Uh, where I think this one fits perfect, so I thought I'd let people listen to it. And it does bring a more majestic flavor to the song. Definitely. Now, also on this record, when Doomsday comes and. Mr. of Avalon, you have uh, a very special guest keyboardist. Can you tell us uh, who that is and uh, how you know him? Well, Don Airy, we know Don Airy from, uh, obviously, from Ozzy Osbourne days. And a lot of, he was, he was the premier keyboard player in the 80s. He was on everybody, everybody's album. Um, you know, we see him a lot. We play a lot with Deep Purple in Europe. We keep doing festivals together. And... Um, we were in the queue at the American Embassy in London and um, got chatting about old times. Mm. I said, you know, we've got a couple of songs on the new album. Actually, we had one song at that point, uh, Mists of Avalon. Um, I said, if you want to play on it, you know, you can. And, um, yeah, he's a huge fan, so, yeah, he played on that. And uh, later on, when we, when we wrote the uh, When Doomsday Comes for the, for the film, uh, we asked him to play on that as well. Very cool. And I also, um, on this American version, this may be on the European version, I'm not sure, but I was under the impression it was just the American version. It comes with the uh, live CD. Can you tell us a little bit about um, where and when this live CD was recorded? Well, and Yeah, it was recorded our very first big festival in England in 1980, um, the Monsters of Rock, Donington, which is, seems to have took on huge historic proportions um, basically, for us, it was the, we were the sort of new guys on the block on this festival because everybody else was established. So this was our first major festival. It was the first festival that any of the, you know, new wave, like Maiden or Leopard, it was the first first one of the bands that played a major festival. Um, so it's a snapshot of the England in 1980, really. So people are interested in that period. Uh, it's a shame Maiden weren't on the same bill or Def Leppard in them days, but, uh, you know, we were the ones that were on it. And um, uh, we, we've, uh, an old manager sent us an email saying he got some old tapes in his attic. We thought the multi-tracks were lost forever. Wow. And, um, so they were multi-tracks, you could go back and mix them, actually. Yeah, yeah, two-inch wow. tapes from wow. the original studio machines, uh, Rolling Stones Mobile, I think. Wow. And there was one of the tapes was the Donington and nobody had heard it for 30 years, so it was a bit special when we heard it. Yeah. And it sounded great. So we mixed it, and um, we thought we'd give it away with the album, basically, um, just as a connection between then and now. Cool. Now, we mentioned that, that Don plays on two tracks on, on the Call to Arms record. I wanted to go way back and uh, ask you about another keyboardist who played on two tracks on the Rock the Nation album, Elton John. How did you uh, get Elton on your record? Was he a friend of yours? 
not really, no. I mean, he's obviously a, a great musician, songwriter. Um, but no, our, our producer knew him. And uh, we had a song called Party To You Puke, which we thought would be, to get him to play that would be a bit of a rebel thing to do. You know, but um, yeah, he just carried his piano in and played it. Um, and then he, he was just jamming on the other song, actually, Northern Lady, so, which we recorded, luckily. Uh, but, yeah, it was a nice guy. We, knew, we were actually knew his band uh, more than we knew Elton because I think at that time there was a royal wedding going on. <coughs> I think it might have been Prince Andrew. So he was, like, helicoptering in and out all the time onto the lawn in front of the studio. So, yeah, it was, it was nice, actually. We had, a, we had a good laugh, you know, when he did it. He's a, he's a professional. Now, you have a book called Never Surrender, and I just wanted to ask you, as a, as a fan, um, it's very hard to find this book in the United States. Mm. Has there been any talk about maybe doing, like, a re-release for the American audience? Well, yeah. We, there, yeah, it's very hard to get into because that publisher, I think he lives in a cave somewhere in Germany. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'd love, to, we'd love to release it in America. I think it would do great because it, it covers, it's basically an autobiography of mine, really. It's not, it's not totally Saxon. But it goes right through the, the years, you know, right through the, the infamous Motley Crue first tour we did. Sure. And, uh, you know, all through that period, right up to now, really. So, um, yeah, I think it would be great released in America. I think, I think people would be interested. I think we could sell a few thousand copies, definitely. definitely. Without a doubt, definitely. Um, speaking of those early days, Metallica, uh, I think, got some of their, their first breaks opening for you guys, if I recall correctly, uh, in, on the West Coast back in the early days. And I know you even recently, maybe three, four years ago, probably three years ago, got on stage and jammed Motorcycle Man with them. Yeah. Are you in contact with them at all? Do you ever hear from Lars or James? Yeah, we were, we were sort of in contact uh, quite recently, actually. They were going to come see us in, uh, in the Bay Area, but they couldn't get, get see us. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're basically quarters as one of their many influencers. Um, which is great, um, but yeah, I mean they played the Whiskey a Go Go with us two shows, and I think Rat did the other day. Um, but yeah, it was a great moment, really. I think because we were one of their influences, they wanted to play with us. I think they sort of, you know, did everything they could to get a show there. And speaking of Saxon fans uh, like Metallica, it. I was shocked to hear that Lady Gaga is a Saxon fan. Were you surprised to hear well, that? Actually, Lady Gaga is a metal fan. She's not just a Saxon fan. She loves, uh, she loves Priest, Saxon, Maiden, everybody, really. She really is, uh, you know, an aficionado of the music, really. I think she, uh, in her early days, I think they did a sort of a, a metal review thing, wow. her and Lady Starlight. So I think that's where her, her sort of love of the metal music comes from but yeah she's a huge fan yeah cool and you did you you met her at one point or yeah we went to see her uh we went to see the well actually i was gonna t- i took i was taking my daughter to see the show but my daughter sort of had a boyfriend problem so she didn't go so uh, i went there with our agent and um we just went to see the show you know and um we were hanging about at the backstage bar it was a huge show and uh yeah, we got uh, the manager came and he said they'd like to meet you. So that's how we got to meet, really. Cool. Um, she's coming tonight, though. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know if she. Yeah, well, she lives in the area, so yeah, you never yeah. you, you never know. Right. Uh, I wanted to. I'll let you go, but I quickly just wanted to ask you about a rumor. There was a rumor online that you were actually, um, and maybe it's not a rumor, maybe it's fact. But were you actually campaigning to have people declare heavy metal as their religion in the United well, Kingdom census? Yeah, the the last census they had ten years ago, um, a lot of people put down Jedi Knight, oh, okay. so Jedi Knight became an official religion. I think you need 100,000 people or something. So Metal Hammer, the magazine in, uh, in the UK, uh, wanted to do that, try and get heavy metal as a religion. Uh, so they made me the ambassador of peace oh, for, the, for the religion. It's fair enough, you know. Are you a re- do you believe in religion? Do you believe in God? Yeah, I'm, I'm quite religious, yeah. I'm not really a, I'm not really a church goer. But I do, I do believe in a sort of, you know, other... Being, yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, Biff, thanks so much. And if we could get you saying your name, your band, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Yeah. Uh, this is Biff from Saxon. You're listening to Talking Metal.
Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.